Hi, and welcome to Seeking the Gospel Truth. I'm Gisela Aguiar, and my hope is to show you how to have a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and that the salvation is through Christ alone by the free gift of God's grace. As we come into the holiday season from now through Christmas, I'll be covering the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ in anticipation of Jesus's imminent return. I pray that as you hear this message, it will encourage you to read the Bible for yourself. Seek the truth. Ask God to open your heart, eyes, and mind to understand what his spirit is trying to tell you. The episode will begin after a short message. Christmas is a fun time for parties and get-togethers with family and friends. If you're a born-again Christian, did you know that you have a mission field in your backyard with Catholic neighbors, friends, and family members? I'm Giselle Aguiar, and I was born in Puerto Rico and raised Catholic. Now I'm a born-again Bible teacher reaching out to Roman Catholics who don't know the good news of Jesus' gift of grace. Have you ever wanted to start a conversation about the true salvation of Jesus with one of your Catholic friends or family members, but just didn't know how? Maybe you hesitated because you didn't want to create animosity or start a battle. Well, that happened to me and I missed my chance to tell my cousin the truth and unfortunately he passed away and I don't know if I'll see him in heaven. That's why I wrote the ebook, The Catholic Mission Field in Your Backyards, and I'm giving it away for free. It's a guide to help you born-again believers start that crucial talk with a Catholic person in your life. Now's the perfect time to bring it up before it's too late. Check it out. It's free. Advent 2020 is here. Advent. It's the season when most of the world prepares to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. Though we don't know exactly when Jesus was born, even the year is fuzzy, the early church leaders chose December 25th, a pagan festival day for the celebration. It was a marketing ploy to get Romans to accept Christianity in the first century. It's amazing how many pagan rituals were adopted by the church back then just to appease the Romans. Why didn't they just look at the book of the prophet Isaiah? He is the most quoted of the prophets in the New Testament, 21 times. Isaiah's name means the Lord has saved, which confirms why Jesus came into the world and became human to save the world through him. That my friend is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at some of those prophetic passages from Isaiah. Isaiah's end time prophecies, end times prophecies. The book of Isaiah can be its own standalone Bible. It has 66 chapters. Don't worry, I'm not going to go through all of them, just some of the highlights. And the Bible has 66 books. It talks about creation like Genesis through the glorious appearing of Jesus like Revelation. I highly recommend that you read through it using the free Bible app through the word so you can really grasp what Isaiah was telling not just the people of his day, but us right now in the 21st century. Note too that Isaiah is quoting God most of the time, and you'll read many times, I, the Lord, have spoken, just to make sure there's no doubt who's speaking and who's in charge. So let's start with Creation, Isaiah 43, 7. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. Lucifer's fall, Lucifer, the devil, Satan. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. How you have fallen from heaven, O shining star, son of the morning, Lucifer. You have been thrown down to the earth, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away from the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the most high. See, Satan wanted to be like God. But instead, you will be brought down to the place of the dead down to its lowest steps. And you can read what actually happens to Satan in the book of Revelation. See, we actually know how the story ends here. Separated by sin, Isaiah 51. Uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah 59, 1 through 2. 
Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear your call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Universal sin, Isaiah 64, 6. We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. This next part's good. Worship is a farce. Isaiah 29, 13. And so the Lord says, These people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me, and they worship me. Their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Now the Greek version reads, Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. Gee, that sounds exactly like the Roman Catholic Church who made up their own religion. And I did a whole deep dive series on where the Roman Catholic Church went wrong. You can click on over to my blog and check it out. There is, it's, there's a link, there's a picture and a link right there in the sidebar. Judgment, Isaiah 1, 18 through 20. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. If you will only obey me, you will have plenty to eat. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, you will be devoured by the sword of your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken. Evangelism. We are in Isaiah 6, verses 8 through 9, and then Isaiah 40, verses 3 through 4. Then I heard the Lord asking, Whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Yes, go and say to this people, Listen carefully, but do not understand. Watch closely, but learn nothing. Hmm. Chapter 40, verse 3. Listen, it's the voice of someone shouting. Clear the way through the wilderness for the Lord. Make a straight highway through the wasteland for our God. Fill in the valleys and level the mountains and hills. Strengthen the curves and smooth out the rough places. Well, I love verse 6, 8. Here I am, send me. Just like I answered his call to reach lost Catholics and progressives. By the way, does that last part also sound familiar? John the Baptist said this, quoting Isaiah in the New Testament Gospels. Go ahead, look them up. I like to think of myself as a voice crying through the wilderness. The wilderness called the internet and social media. What a wasteland. <clears throat> Next part, God's control over pagan kings, rulers and presidents and government leaders and so forth. And this is Isaiah 45, 1 through 5. This is what the Lord says to Cyrus, his anointed one, whose right hand he will empower. Before him, mighty kings will be paralyzed with fear. Their fortress gates will be opened, never to shut again. This is what the Lord says. I will go before you, Cyprus, and level the mountains. I will smash down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. And I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. I will do this so you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. And why have I called you for this work? Why did I call you by name when you did not know me? It is for the sake of Jacob, my servant, Israel, my chosen one. I am the Lord. There is no other God. I have equipped you for battle, though you don't even know me. <clears throat> the rising of King Cyrus, who... Isaiah mentioned here by name, um, and you can read about uh, this in, in the book of Daniel. To, um, it, God rose um, King Cyrus to protect God's people. Um, this, prof this prophecy was made around 712 BC, and it was fulfilled in 536 BC. 
Now, Israeli Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu called President Trump a modern-day Cyrus for what he's done for Israel. So I want to read up on Cyrus. Um, Jesus Christ's birth um, uh, prophesied in Isaiah 7:14. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That was the first mention of the Virgin Mary in the Bible. And if you click on over to my blog, there, I did a, an article on the truth about Mary as she is mentioned in the Bible. Anything else about Mary has been man-made, you know, one of the, one of the things that they talked about, man-made stuff. <clears throat> Redemption through Christ, Isaiah 53, 3 through 5. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We, turn our, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we didn't care. Yet it was our weakness he carried, our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Salvation, Isaiah 1.18. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. Universal Gospel, Isaiah 56, 6 through 8. I will also bless the foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve him and love his name, who worship him and do not desecrate the Sabbath day of rest, and who hold fast to my covenant. I will bring them to my holy mountain of Jerusalem and will fill them with joy in my house of prayer. I will accept their burnt offerings and sacrifices because my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations. For the sovereign Lord who brings back the outcast of Israel says, I will bring others too besides my people Israel. <clears throat> and like Paul told us in the book of Romans, the gospel is for everyone, for the Jew first, then the Gentile, which is everyone else. Oh, and Jesus quoted verse 7 when he chased the money changers from the temple. My temple will be called a house of prayer. Power of the word, Isaiah 55, 11. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. I pray this every day that I sent out the word of God, the gospel truth that it will prosper everywhere and produce fruit. I look at the analytics on my podcast and my blog and I see that it's reaching people all over the world. Humility, Isaiah 66, 2. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble at my word. Eternal death, that's Isaiah 66, 24. And as they go out, they will see the dead bodies of those who have rebelled against me, for the worms that devour them will, will never die and the fire that burns them will never go out. All who pass by will view them with utter horror. Sounds like hell. The millennial rule of Christ. He will not falter or lose heart until justice prevails throughout the earth. Even distant lands beyond the sea will wait for his instruction. And you can read about that in the book of Revelation. And I have a um, whole series of uh, studies that I did on, on book of Revelation. Oh, here because my very first, the best thing yet, the new heaven and the new earth. Isaiah 65, 23 through 25. They will not work in vain and their children will not be doomed to misfortune for they are people blessed by the Lord and their children too will be blessed. I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. 
but the snakes will eat dust. In those days, no one will be hurt or destroyed on my holy mountain. I, the Lord, have spoken. And you can read about that in the book of Revelation, chapters 20, 21, and 22. And again, click on over to my blog, and I've got um, a whole study that, that I've done on that, the new heaven and the new earth. I love that last line, I, the Lord, have spoken. And Jesus said, anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Are you listening to the Spirit? Are you paying attention? Jesus could come back any minute. Are you ready? <clears throat> I like Jim Dennison. He writes um, uh, the Dennison Forum, which he kind of reviews the news of the day with a Christian and biblical perspective. So, and, and so he wrote, be prepared to meet God today, for you may meet God today. Well, folks, if, if you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way, non-stop ticket to heaven and that you won't be left behind at the rapture, this is what you have to do. Invite Jesus into your heart. If you don't know how to do that, if you're not sure what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes. You take, uh, take a look at that or you can click over to my blog and click where it says, Invite Jesus into your heart. And also at the bottom of the blog, um, I, I embedded um, a worship music video of uh, the song In Christ Alone. And I, I just love the last verse of that song, which I put that at the bottom of the blog too. But you can click on over. If you click on over to uh, on the YouTube video, it goes to the channel where I embedded the video from. And it has the, all the verses, but it, it, is, it is a lyric video too. Um, but um, the final, the final um, paragraph, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home. Here in the power of Christ, I'll stand. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. First Sunday of Advent, a faith in Jesus, the reason for the season. In the grocery store today, I was looking for some nativity decals for my window. I went down both aisles of Christmas decorations and there was not one nativity anything to be found. There were plenty of Santas, reindeer, snowmen, tinsel, all sorts of decorations, wrapping paper, etc. However, there wasn't a single item depicting the reason for the season, the birth of Jesus Christ. Having no kids, I stopped celebrating Christmas some time ago. I gave my little tabletop tree along with all decorations I'd collected over the years away. I gave it all away. The only thing I have is a small manger scene, and I'll get a poinsettia and a little rosemary tree-shaped plant and put a red bow on it. That's it. It's not in the Bible, so who started this tradition? It wasn't until the 4th century when Constantine converted the whole Roman Empire to Christianity um, that December 25th became the day when Jesus' birthday was celebrated. The Romans still wanted to keep their party-hardy pagan holiday of Saturnalia, celebrating Saturn, the god of agriculture and harvest, and the winter solstice, celebrating the sun god. So the Christian church decided to use that date to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Jesus was probably not born in the winter. The shepherds tend their flocks in fields, in the fields between April and October. However, it's rumored that the wise men, the astrologers from the east, saw the star and arrived in Bethlehem when Jesus was a few months old to a year old. The conjunction of, the, of planets and a star that led their way happened on December 25th in the second or third centuries. But it seems that today's society is tending to go back to the pagan origins. They still want to party hardy and they forget that we're supposed to celebrate the birth of God's greatest gift to us, Jesus, our Savior. There are Christians who won't celebrate Christmas because of its pagan oranges, origin, origins, not oranges, origins, and it's not in the Bible. 
but why not? There's nothing wrong with giving gifts as long as they are giving in the spirit of love. There shouldn't be anxiety to get everyone the right gift or get something for someone who gave you a gift and you didn't have anything for them. Personally, I think Jesus's birthday should be celebrated in August. He may have been born yet then, but, and August has no major holidays. But who's going to fight traditions that are over 1600 years old? As long as we remember that Jesus is the reason for the season, there's no harm in celebrating it on December 25th. What is faith? Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. That's Hebrews 11.1. We also need to recognize that our faith needs to be based on his saving grace and nothing else. John wrote, and I recently did a study on uh, John's uh, letter, 1 John, um, in 1 John chapter 4, verse 9 through 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Jesus told us in John 3, 16, 17, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And earlier in the Gospel of John, John told us in John 1, verses 10 through 13, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, the Jews, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. True faith is acknowledging the fact that we are all sinners and can never meet God's standards for getting into heaven on our own. Nothing that we can do on this earth by ourselves can save us, sanctify us, or justify us. We are saved by God's gift of grace, by faith, through Jesus. That's it. That's the good news. What is Christmas without Christ? I heard this song on the radio today, What is Christmas, by Cutlass. The video is embedded in the bottom of my blog, so click on over there so you can check out the song. But while I was listening to it, I had a thought. Christmas without Christ is just Mass, M-A-S. Furthermore, we know how useless the Catholic Mass is when it comes to actual salvation. And, and I did a whole series on the where the Catholic Church went wrong. And I recently um, put together all of those podcasts in one playlist um, so you can get get the whole series together and you can click on over to my blog to, to see the link on that, or you can search for it in, in the uh, podcast series. I just did it today. Um, but ironic, isn't, isn't it, that the Roman Catholic Church completely removed the reason that Jesus came into the world as a babe in a manger, salvation. Jesus was born so he could die. The purpose of Jesus's birth as a human being was that he could die taking our sins away then God the Father would raise him from the dead, defeating death. Peter told us in Acts 2, starting in verse 32, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand, and the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. This happened on Pentecost. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit.
how do you get into heaven? Well, believe, repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. Believe, have faith that Jesus is the Christ and he died taking your sins away forever. Repent of your sins. Stop sinning. Do a complete 180 in your life and surrender your life to him. Be baptized. Show the world and yourself that you have died to your old life and are born again in Christ. Receive the Holy Spirit in your heart. So if you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way non-stop ticket to heaven and that you won't be left behind at the rapture, which could happen any day now. This is what you have to do. Invite Jesus into your heart. Don't forget to click on over to my blog to check out the song that I have in the bottom. Uh, it's called This is Christmas by Cutlass. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. It's Advent. What exactly is Advent? Advent is the anticipation of Christ's coming, celebrated on December 25th. Advent is traditionally the countdown to Christmas in most Protestant denominations of the Christian church. The Advent season begins on the fourth Sunday before Christmas. It usually lands on the Sunday after Thanksgiving. In many Protestant churches, traditional purple cloths adorn the altar and Christmas decorations go up, including the Advent wreath. Each Sunday before Christmas, a candle is lit in the Advent, in the Advent wreath. Each candle represents faith, hope, peace, joy, and love is the Christ candle in the middle. There are many Advent traditions. The word Advent means the coming or arrival, especially of something extremely important. Its roots from Middle English, the Advent season, from Old French, from the Latin Adventus, or arrival. Celebrations. Growing up in the Catholic Church, the churches my family attended didn't do the Advent wreath that I can remember, but we had an Advent calendar at home. It had 25 little doors with different pictures as we counted the days with anticipation to Christmas. As a Catholic kid, I knew that on Christmas Day, Jesus, the Son of God, was born in a stable because there was no room for them in the inn. We put out the ceramic manger nativity scene every year. I knew the story. God became man. But why did Jesus leave his comfy home in heaven to be born among the lowest of the lowly shepherds and be hailed by wise men as the king of kings? He came to save us from sin, the sin that started in the Garden of Eden when Eve disobeyed God's one rule. One rule, that's all it is, one rule. And then enticed Adam to do the same. That was the fall of man that started the curse. We read about that in Genesis 3, verses 17 through 19. And God speaks, Since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. You blame weeds. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow, will you have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made, for you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. Paul reminded us in Romans 8, 19, and then in verses 23 and 25, for all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us, as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. We already have something we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. Christmas carols. The Christmas carols that we hear everywhere are songs we learned as children. They are played and sung in stores and malls so that you will be in the Christmas spirit and buy more. 
but they were written for a different reason. In olden times, the majority of the people were illiterate, way before the Bible was the best-selling book and available in their spoken language. So pastors and church leaders turned to both stained glass windows and songs and hymns to tell the Bible stories. Emmanuel means God with us. And if you click on over to my blog, I've embedded um, uh, two videos. One of them is O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, by a traditional choir. Um, and um, that song depicts um, from um, Isaiah and uh, where we're told in Isaiah 7, 14, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then also in Isaiah 9, 6, um, his birth was also prophesied. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called the Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. An interesting note is that this is one of the only places in the Old Testament where God is referred to as Father. It was not until Christ, his son, was born and we became his children when we are born again. And that he was... Um, he is called Abba Father. We can call him Daddy. That's what Abba means. Everlasting Father. Usually in the Old Testament, God was referred to as the Lord. Um, and this prophecy was fulfilled when Jesus was born. And Matthew quotes it in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. The Lord God, the Father, sent his son, a savior, in a humble manger. And another, another song I have embedded um, in a video on my blog is um, Handel's Messiah, For Unto Us a Child is Born, um, sung by the London Symphony Orchestra. And I, and I love the whole Messiah cantata. We, um, I sang it several times in um, uh, my, church, my churches in Florida. Um, and it's, it's, it's just an um, absolutely beautiful classical um, um, piece. Um, Jesus was born so we could be born again. Well, goodbye 2020 and good riddance. 2020 has surely been an unprecedented year, and I'm sure many people will be glad to see it end. Unfortunately, we have no idea what 2021 will bring. I bet you were planning differently last December. It was probably a typical New Year's celebration. Little did we know that the birth pains would start. The biblical prophecies that Jesus warned us about in Matthew 24, Luke 17 and 21, and Mark 13. And you can look those up. The most wonderful thing is that this world is only temporary and that my home is in heaven with Jesus. Jesus said, John 14, 1 through 4, don't let your hearts be troubled, trust in God, and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way to where I am going. So Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? That's the second advent. The one that could happen at any moment. That's the rapture when Jesus will come and call up his born again believers. The question now is, do you know the way to where he went? You won't get there by infant or baby baptism. Confessing to a priest and saying penance won't get you there either. Neither will going to mass every Sunday, or just going to church every Sunday. You can't work, pray, or pay your way into heaven. Oh, and by the way, there is no such thing as purgatory either. Salvation is the greatest gift that a loving Father God could give his disobedient creation, and it's up to you to accept the gift when you decide to believe, repent, be baptized, and receive the Holy Spirit. If you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, 
receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way non-stop ticket to heaven and that you won't be left behind at the rapture, you have to invite Jesus into your heart. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus said, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. Jesus is knocking at the door to your heart. You have to let him in. He won't force himself in. Now's the time to do it. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click where, and click where it says, invite Jesus into your heart. I pray that you do. And so you can have the anticipation of the advent, the second advent. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. Got hope this Advent season? Is it a hopeful hope or a confident hope? Advent is the season of hope, usually. Advent 2020, uh, not so much. Well, maybe. There are two kinds of hope. Hopeful hope, like I hope it doesn't snow up north so I can go to the Grand Canyon for Christmas. Then there's confident hope, which is the one God gives us through a relationship with Jesus. You can have both or you can lack both. If you lack both, then you're living in a state of hopelessness, which is not good. It all stems from what you base your hope in. There's uncertain hope. We could have hope in a vaccine, the government, the economy, a political party or group, or anything in this world. Or certain, we can have hope in our salvation, our one-way non-stop ticket to heaven, that this world is not all there is, and that God is still in control. The Six Steps of Hope. The Wall Street Journal published an article recently titled, Finding Hope When Everything Else when everything feels hopeless. The writer suggests these steps. One, define areas where we need hope. Two, read history to discover ways people have overcome challenges in the past. Three, imagine our preferred future and identify steps to make it happen. Four, take small steps by setting one goal for the week. Five, use hopeful language. Six, share our goals and hope with others. Now, I found these in an article in Denison Forum a few weeks ago, by, written by Jim Denison. And so uh, Dr. Denison also um, adds this little tidbit of information here. These are obviously helpful suggestions. Here's the bad news. Humans cannot change human nature. Here's the good news. Jesus can. Jesus turned a fearful fisherman into the courageous preacher of Pentecost. That's Peter. He transformed a persecutor of Christians into the greatest missionary and theologian in Christian history. That's Paul. He brought hope to an exiled apostle on Patmos. That's John. He can bring hope to your heart today. The problem is, Many Christians, or people who profess to be Christian or call themselves Christians, do not experience Jesus as personally as we should. Many are Christians in the same sense they could be Muslims, Buddhists, or Hindus, and I'm going to throw in their Catholics. Believing in God or the gods, affirming a set of beliefs, practicing religious routines, rituals, and uh, assuming their faith will produce good results in their lives. But Muslims, Buddhists, Catholics, and Hindus do not expect to experience a living, life-changing, personal Lord. What makes Christianity different is Christ. Again, that's um, by Dr. Jim Dennison, uh, and um, there's a link in my blog to his website called Dennison Forum. Um, writes an article every weekday. One of the benefits that a born-again Christian believer has is a personal relationship with Jesus, God himself. You can call on God directly and he'll hear you. Through the Holy Spirit in your heart, you can feel him too. Here's the difference between Christianity and other religions. And I found this in a book called The Kneeling Christian, 
which is a- available online as an ebook for free. And the author is unknown. It was written like in the 30s. Um, and I'm slightly paraphrasing because there were some words in here like, I had to go look them up if it make any sense. <laughs> but in, in essence, it said, in Hinduism, none may pray except the Brahmins. A millionaire merchant of any other caste must get a Brahmin, often a mere boy at school, to say his prayers for him. The Muslim cannot pray unless he has learned a few phrases in Arabic for his God and little G-God, only hears prayers offered in what they believe to be the holy language. Praise be to God, our God, one God, big God. No such restrictions of caste or language stand between us and our God. Can any man therefore pray? Pray to God the Father through or in the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, and he'll hear you. Just talk to God. And then what is Christmas without Christ? I talked about that in a, a recent past article. Um, and the link is in the, in the blog. Hope in the future. No matter who wins the presidential election in the, in the U.S., God is still in control. If the vaccines work or not, God is still in control. If the economy turns around after the vaccines are out and people get their jobs back or not, God is still in control. Reading through the book of Psalms helps tremendously. Just search online or on one of the free Bible apps for the word hope, and you'll get plenty of helpful, uplifting passages in both the Old and New Testaments. Here are some of uh, from the Psalms. Um, Psalm 27.1, the Lord is my light and my salvation, so why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger, so why should I tremble? Psalm 42, verses 5 through 6. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Psalm 62, 2. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will never be shaken. And Paul told us in Romans 5, verses 3 through 5, and this passage, this is the passage that got me through two years of unemployment. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So how do you obtain confident hope? By studying the Bible, God's word, daily. Not just reading it, studying it, and applying it to your lives. The more you study it and get to know God, the more solid your hope and trust will be. Jesus himself told us in Matthew 7, 24 and, uh, verses 24 to 27, Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Trust God. Jesus told us in Matthew 10, 26 to 37, but don't be afraid of those who threaten you for the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in the darkness should ab shout abroad when daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear shout from the housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God. Who can destroy both soul and body in hell? What is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin. But not a single sparrow can fall into the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. What does it mean to 
fear God. Well, it doesn't mean that we are afraid of God. No, it means we respect Him. We obey and honor Him. We recognize the fact that He created the world and us, and He is all powerful, all knowing, ever present, and He is in control. It may not seem that way when you look at all the evil and corruption there is in the world. That's because God is allowing Satan to rule the earth. However, be assured that God wins in the end. We know that because God gave us a sneak peek in the book of Revelation. And I embedded over in my blog um, uh, an old hymn because as I was reading one of those Psalms, it reminded me of it. Uh, Why am I so discouraged? It is um, his eye is on the sparrow, which uh, that's why I went and got that quote from Matthew. Confidence and salvation. Also, it really helps if you are confident in your salvation. Personally, I know that no matter what happens with the virus or the presidential election, that when the rapture happens and Jesus calls all the born again believers to be with him in heaven, I'll be there. If I die before that, I also know that I'll be in heaven with Jesus the moment I take my last breath here on earth. That's unshakable, confident hope. If you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way non-stop ticket to heaven and that you won't be left behind at the rapture, which could happen any minute. This is what you have to do. Invite Jesus into your heart. If you don't know how to do that, if you're not sure what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes. Um, So, you know, or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says how to invite Jesus into your heart. And I have another video. It's a Christmas, it's an old Christmas carol called Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. We all need to know how to find unspeakable joy. Christmas 2020 should be a season of joy, right? For me, Christmas Day will be the first anniversary of my mom's death. Not much joy there. Moreover, we are still in the midst of a pandemic. Yes, we have vaccines that will be available soon, but we don't know if it will eradicate the virus eventually if everyone takes it. We also don't know if everyone will take it or if people will be forced to take it. As of this writing, we still are not absolutely sure who will be the next, who will be taking the oath of office for the presidency of the United States on January 20th. I keep telling myself that no matter who it is, God is still in command, Jesus still is king, and the rapture will happen and can happen any day now. That, my friend, is where I get my joy. My joy is in the promise that God made us, that whosoever believes that his son Jesus is the Messiah is saved from hell. Furthermore, he came to wash away our sins with his blood on the cross and that he defeated death by rising on the third day and subsequently will defeat Satan and his cronies in the end. Joy is a choice. Christmas is the season of joy, isn't it? I mean, we're told that when Jesus was born, what was going on there? That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. Fear not, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. 
They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story was astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And that's in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And if you go a couple of a few, we just did a whole Bible study on uh, Luke chapter 2. And you can dig deeper. The link is in uh, my blog, or you can search um, within the podcast app to find to find that one. Um, it starts with uh, God came down. Um, the shepherds were the first evangelists. How in the world can we mere humans be filled with the joy the shepherds had that night? Well, I'm going to borrow from Dr. Jim Dennison. Uh, one of the best pieces of advice I've read this year. <clears throat> and there's a link to uh, the article I got this from in my blog. How can we have and share the joy of Jesus in this season as we celebrate his birth? The answer is not to wait until the world is more joyful. When the pandemic is finally over, other fears and threats will take its place. The answer is to seek joy, a sense of well-being that transcends circumstances rather than happiness which is based on happenings it is to make joy a choice rather than a circumstance then he lists three steps to joy first identify the source of true joy jesus spoke of quote unquote my joy which would be ours and we're reading from john um, chapter 17 verse 13 and Jesus said, now I am coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so they would be filled with my joy. The prophet Zephaniah assured us that our Lord, quote, will rejoice over you with gladness, unquote. And that's from Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. And that reads, for the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. And King David testified, quote unquote, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And that's from Psalm 1611. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. Your God is a God of joy. Second, settle for nothing less than the joy of the Lord. We can, quote, rejoice in the Lord always because the Lord is always a source of joy. Philippians 4.4 reads, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Um, and his son, Craig Dennison notes, Quote, we are not made to carry burdens that steal our joy and keep us from the abundant life Jesus died to give us, unquote. If you are not experiencing the joy of the Lord today, the fault is not his. Third, submit to the spirit who produces joy. Scripture commands us to be filled and controlled each day by the Holy Spirit. We read in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 19. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. So go ahead and sing those Christmas carols. When we make this choice, one part of the fruit of the Spirit that results is joy. We find that in Galatians 5, 22 to 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
There is no law against these things. If you have the joy of the Lord, it's because you're filled with his spirit. If you do not have the joy of Jesus today, it's because you're not filled with his spirit. And over in my blog, I have a video. I embedded a video from uh, Dr. Jim Dennison. It's what does the Bible say about the fruit of the spirit? And it's really good if you're, and, and it's, you want to dig deeper on the fruit of the spirit. If you, you know, it's not, it's not, it, I mean, it took me, I don't know how many readings and Bible studies in this to really understand it. So it, it won't hurt to watch that video. And also in the bottom, I've got a couple of songs for you. But when it comes down to it, it's your choice. If you want the joy of the Lord, you need the Lord in your heart. And Jesus told us in Revelations chapter 3, verse 20, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. He's knocking at the door to your heart. Isn't it time you let him in? If you don't know how to do that, if you're not sure what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes, or you can click on over to my blog and click where it says, learn how to invite Jesus into your heart. And at the bottom of my blog, I put two joyful videos. One of them, and it's not a Christmas song, but it fits perfectly. It's by King and Country. It's, it's joy. And um, it's I Choose Joy. And then we have a modernized version of the classic Joy of the World by Chris Tomlin. So be joyful this Christmas season because Jesus brings us joy. Soli Deo Gloria. To God alone be the glory. It's the fourth Sunday of Advent, and today we're going to be talking about peace. Where is the promised peace on earth? We all know how the Christmas story goes in Luke chapter 2, and, and I, you know, I started out in the beginning of December doing a daily uh, Bible study going through each chapter of Luke, except for Sundays when we're doing this, this Advent thing and Christmas. <clears throat> and we've all heard the Christmas story and or read it dozens of times before. And why do we say and sing about peace on earth when life on earth is anything but peaceful? Where is the promised peace on earth? Do we have to do anything to help make it happen? Just a refresher, what we're talking about is uh, from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Um, that night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. So the angel said, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. That really doesn't mean everyone, does it? Which begs the question, is God pleased with you? I'll let you think about that for a bit while um, we talk about A Christmas Carol from a poem written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow at the time of the American Civil War. A search on YouTube revealed the story about this carol, as well as um, a video uh, by Casting Crowns. And I've got the video embedded in, in my blog, and you can click on over to, uh, to listen to it. So first, it's story. One of the most familiar carols we hear during the holidays is I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. The story behind the song based on a poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow is very interesting. In 1860, Longfellow was at the peak of his success as a poet. Abraham Lincoln had just been elected president, giving hope to many in the nation. But things soon turned dark for America and for Longfellow personally. 
The Civil War began the following year, and Longfellow's wife died of severe burns after her dress caught fire. Longfellow sustained severe burns on his hands and face from trying to save his wife. He was so badly burned that he could not even attend her funeral. In his diary for Christmas Day, 1861, he wrote, How inexpressibly sad are the holidays. In 1862, the Civil War escalated, and the death toll from the war began to mount. In his diary for that year, Longfellow wrote of Christmas, A Merry Christmas, say the children, but that is no more for me. In 1863, Longfellow's son, who had run away to join the Union Army, was severely wounded and returned home in December. There is no entry in Longfellow's diary for that Christmas. For Christmas Day that year, Longfellow wanted to pull out of his despair, so he decided to try to capture the joy of Christmas. He began, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. As, Long, as Longfellow came to the sixth stanza, he was stopped by the thought of the condition of his beloved country. The Battle of Gettysburg was not long past. Days looked dark, and he probably asked himself the question, how can I write about peace on earth, goodwill to men in this worn, torn country where brother fights against brother and father against son? But he kept writing, and what did he write? I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. That could be said of our day as well. But then catching an eternal perspective and the real message of Christmas in Christ himself, he wrote, then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth, goodwill to men. That poem, but I heard uh, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, and the historical comments are by, by a gentleman named Brother Earl, um, and the link to his uh, the video. Uh, is again on my website embedded in there. Christmas Day, Chris, Christmas Day 2020 for me will be the first anniversary of my mom's death. I can relate to Longfellow's comment on how sad the holidays can be. But God is not dead, nor does he sleep. And we have to remember that. Turn off the news and read your Bible. Pray each morning when you get up and each night before you go to bed. Pray during the day, too. Just talk to God. He's available 24-7 for you. If you're born again, he lives in your heart. That alone should give you peace. God speaks to us in his word, the Bible. God tells us in Psalm 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The word peace in Hebrew is shalom, which means more than just peace. It means wholeness and completion. We throw the word peace around like peace and quiet, which means silence, peace of mind, no worries or stress, word, world peace, no war anywhere on earth. Imagine all those together. That's shalom. That's the peace that the angels were talking about when they announced the birth of the Messiah to the shepherds. Again, in Luke 2, 14, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Jesus tells us in John 14, 27, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Paul tells us in Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now let's go back to my question. Is God pleased with you? One thing's for sure. 
if you're not right with God, you'll never feel the peace that the angels, Jesus, or Paul talked about. How many times is the word peace found in the Bible? Well, in the New Living Translation, or NLT, it comes up 273 times in the Old Testament and 89 times in the New Testament. Peace can be a real thing if your life, even if there is no peace on earth yet. But you have to get right with God. That means repenting of your sins, which means to stop sinning. If you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you truly want to be born again and have the assurance of salvation, receive the Holy Spirit and get a one-way, non-stop ticket to heaven and that you won't be left behind at the rapture, this is what you have to do. You have to invite Jesus into your heart. And if you click on over to my blog at the bottom, I've embedded one of my favorite modern Christmas carols. It's called How Many Kings? And, um, you know, listen to the, listen to the, well, the words are in the video too. And it's very simple because a, a king came down from heaven and lost his life so that ours can be saved. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory. Thank you for listening to this episode. I pray that the Holy Spirit, the author of scripture, touched your heart to reveal the gospel truth that our hope of salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to reach out to me via my website or social media. I encourage you to read the Bible daily and seek the truth for yourself. I recommend that you download two free Bible study apps, the YouVersion Bible app and Through the Word. Friends, we are living in strange, crazy times, the last days, the end times. But know that things aren't falling apart, they are falling into place. Jesus said in Revelation 3, 20-22, Look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. Those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. Anyone with ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. Jesus is knocking. It's up to you to open the door. Peter told us in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed or perish but wants everyone to repent. Jesus is coming back soon. Are you ready? Repent of your sins and invite Jesus into your heart right now. If you don't know what to say, there's a prayer in the show notes and on my blog. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Soli Deo Gloria, to God alone be the glory.